This is E2B, Energy to Business, a podcast by Opportune, where we bring you in-house expertise that serves all energy sectors. We examine emerging financial and technology trends and provide a broad perspective on ways to stay ahead, create opportunities, and execute market strategies. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of E2B, Energy to Business, an opportune podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. And folks, thanks so much for joining us on another episode of the show. We really appreciate you listening along to our energy to business thought leadership. As you're listening to today's episode of E2B, make sure that you are heading to our website and make sure that you are subscribing to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. When you hit that subscribe button, you'll have a full catalog of previous conversations as well as notifications when we drop new ones. And our website is opportune.com, again, opportune.com, for more information on the various solutions and services you may hear about today, but more importantly, some E2B thought leadership, including podcasts, videos, articles, and more. So on today's episode of Energy to Business, we're breaking down the often complicated process of escheatment in the oil and gas industry. When unclaimed oil and gas property has no verifiable lease owner or has outdated payment accounts or otherwise, lots of different scenarios that we're going to be breaking down here today, often that property can get reclaimed by the state in which the owner of the property resides. And this transferring of ownership has a lot of consequences, not only after after the fact, but during the transferring process. And since each U.S. state has their own escheatment requirements and the factors that lead to escheatment can be so varied, we wanted to take the time with this podcast to really break down why seeking help around escheatment is a positive thing for oil and gas players, what common escheatment challenges are in the industry today, how this manifests beyond just financial anxiety for oil and gas producers, and strategies for staying compliant efficient and effective with your escheatment process. We're doing the whole thing today. So for insights today, we're joined by two guests. We'll introduce them one by one. Let's start with Kobe Nathanson. She is a land manager with Opportunes Outsourcing Group based in Houston. She's got over 12 years of experience in land administration with both operators and non-operators. And Kobe specializes in acquisition and divestiture efforts restructuring due diligence, establishing departmental best practices, policies, and procedures, just to name a few of her responsibilities. Kobe Nathanson, great to have you on. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, real pleasure getting to chat with you today and source these 12 years of experience. Jumping over to our second guest, we have Raza Rizvi. He is the vice president of accounting at Opportune Outsourcing with over 20 years of experience in operational accounting, financial reporting, and internal controls for the upstream oil and gas sector. And Raza oversees all aspects of Opportune's outsourcing services, everything from managing and directing the operational accounting and financial reporting responsibilities of Opportunes clients to focusing on quality and efficiency of transactional processes. Raza Rizvi, great to have you on as well. How are you? Thanks, Daniel. Doing great. Um, good to be on. Thanks. Yeah, real pleasure getting to chat today, Raza, and uh, pleasure just sourcing both of your insights, knocking heads a little bit, and uh, you know, getting some real quality thought leadership and focused insights on how to maneuver the achievement process in the industry today. So let's go ahead and jump in. I want to start by, I guess, laying the groundwork for how opportune as a company views escheatment. 
Opportune believes that every company should be is cheating. Part of your portfolio, part of how you approach these projects. So I'm curious, why do you see this as such a critical process for the industry today? And how have the potential benefits of this cheatment been affected uh, by some of the more recent aspects of COVID, for example, that have placed some financial crunches on the industry? Well, I think very honestly, it comes down to that this cheatment is uh, it's a legal requirement. It's a heavy admin lift. And there's not really what I would say, and I'm using air quotes here to say value add. So what we're seeing with that is it's it's not necessarily bubbling up to the top, but again, it is a legal requirement in the 50 some odd jurisdictions in the United States. So that's one of the reasons why we do want to push it. We are seeing throughout our efforts um, that the different states have increased enforcement efforts, meaning uh, they are cracking down a little bit more on the requirements, on what's actually reported. And then in turn, we're seeing some fees and penalties assessed that we wouldn't ordinarily see. So one of the things that we like to encourage our clients to do and what we are doing, in fact, is helping everybody stay a little bit more ahead of compliance. And I, I think in particular, we've seen we've seen interesting struggles in the COVID environment, right? So I think all of us can say, yes, we're adapting to working from home and you've got your VPNs and all of those safeguards. But that remote working environment has created those new challenges that maybe you haven't had somebody in the office managing your own relations like you normally would or... Um, that you have your technical connectivity issues when doing some of your reporting. So that that's one of the things that, especially right now, when maybe there's a little bit more downtime, you can try to get more ahead of it in staying in compliance. And I think just to add a little bit to that, it's kind of the reason why we focus on this um, is, you know, given the ongoing fiscal strains on many states, even prior to COVID-19, it is likely that unclaimed property will continue to be an important source of non-tax revenue for them. So it's kind of staying in compliance is going to be important for all operators and, and companies as such just to avoid any audits or any penalties or interests. Um, so, yeah, that's, I think, why uh, we want to make sure everyone understands the importance of um, the achievement process. So do you often find that companies, uh, especially your clients that you work with, can get non-compliant with these processes? Uh, and if so, why? You know, what causes non-compliance around its treatment? How can navigating legal requirements make this process tricky? So this one is actually incredibly common. Um, and when we talk about it, I, I think a lot of people are going to go, oh, yeah, that, that's exactly it. So what we see is when companies are going out there and they're doing big acquisitions, right? Let's say they're acquiring... 1,500 wells and all of that good stuff. And then one of the things that's going to come along with that is the suspense ledger. And it is not uncommon or atypical to see suspense ledgers with millions of dollars, right? And when you're going through your acquisition um, due diligence process, you're not necessarily going to get into the weeds to see that Jim Bob has been in suspense for 15 years going back to 1999 production or something like that. Um, you're just going to get the suspense ledger and you're going to upload it into your system and throw it and go. And probably two or three years down the line, you're going to say, I should probably 
think about us cheating, maybe it's it's something that we could or should do. Um, but then one of the things that, that we have found and can help with is that if you have those compliance processes and procedures in place ahead of time, it's easier to integrate into your system. One of the things that makes navigating some of the legal requirements tricky, and it's, it's a big bag of hair, so we'll figure out how we want to go through it. In part, when you get the big acquisition, right, you're just trying to get it into your system and go, that you've got um, investors and backers to answer to, um, you've got to kick off a drill program. So you're, you're already thinking ahead. You're not necessarily thinking of how do we fix this stuff in the past. Um, but it, that is one of the things that we want people to be mindful of, especially as they're negotiating their purchase and sale agreements. Where are they looking at for their indemnities, their risks, their liabilities? Um, who's going to be responsible for this sort of thing and, and moving forward? The other thing is that while we do see some commonalities in the reporting requirements, they are also relatively different. So by way of example, the majority of the states have fall reporting deadlines. So we're going to see reports due October 31 or November 1st, but then friends in Texas like to see reports due in July 1st. And each one has their own fun special nuances that if you're not paying attention to can come and bite you in the end. And so I, I think when you add on the complexity of You've got this massive data that you're just trying to blow and go compared to, oh, wait, it's it's same, same, but different amongst these other states and jurisdictions. It's it's a lot of moving pieces to track and get in line. And so seeing noncompliance is it, it makes sense. Thanks, Kobe. I think the right amount of focus on proper policies and procedures can help ensure in compliance and reduce the potential for a state audits and steep penalties because it's easy to forget about these um, admin type tasks at the time of acquisition because your focus is on due diligence, um, getting those assets over to your books, uh, starting processing for revenue and jib. Um, and so it's very easy and very common to forget about these administrative um, aspects as well. But I think it's equally important because once you have, once the assets exchange hands, it's very hard to go back to the seller and request for missing information. And so I think it's important along with the due diligence uh, to get hold of all the information you need to be able to successfully report and pay as treatment liabilities. I think the other thing to jump in and add, since we're talking about policies and procedures, is that um, it also, I think, presents a unique opportunity for clients and companies to look at their document retention policies, right? So we talk about where things get tricky and complicated and convoluted. It's that um, in the event you were audited, and I think you should probably plan, not necessarily plan for that, but um, I, I think we are seeing an uptick in that. You are likely going to have different document retention requirements for each state. One state might be 10 years. Another state might be 15 years. We're talking about the various jurisdictions and uh, the various standards of achievement across U.S. states as if it's kind of a given. I'm curious, why do U.S. states all have different standards for achievement? Why is this not something that is standardized across the federal level? And how does this impact the process of maneuvering as well as taking advantage of the process? Well, I think if we probably had an answer to that, we'd all be out of a job that we don't necessarily <laughs> want for that to happen. But 
So part of that is a little bit of a misnomer, right? That we have had some effort uh, at a higher level to consolidate and streamline and make these consistent, right? So we've got these uh, Uniform Unclaimed Property Acts. I think the last one, oh, that we looked at, uh, I say we, like I'm intimately involved in it, was in 2016. And again, you can start to see shifts and trends um, across the different states for those things to pick up, kind of like what we talked about earlier, that you're going to see consistent uh, reporting due around the fall time. Uh, And then you're also going to see similar consistencies with your due diligence time, basically from the point when you have to send out letters or emails or start your phone calls to when the report is actually due. You absolutely will see consistencies, but there is enough difference that not not everybody wants to play in the big kid sandbox, I guess, for lack of a better word. We want to help with compliance and we want to encourage uh, oil and gas operators and oil and gas companies to look at achievement and to make sure that it is at the forefront of their thinking. And then to to a certain extent, this is this is exactly why you want somebody like an opportune outsourcing. All right, let's get more specific now on the intersection between achievement and oil and gas. How does achievement non-compliance, for some of the main reasons that uh, you broke down earlier, you see among your clients, how does that impact oil and gas producers and their finances? Is it a considerable impact, a negligible impact, somewhere in between? What are we dealing with here? Sure. So, yeah, the the impact, I think you would have to see uh, the perspective behind how you look at the impact here. Um, The unclaimed liability itself may not necessarily be a, a material number to the financial statement in the grand scheme of things. Uh, it sits as a liability on the balance sheet. Uh, so it may not necessarily be a big number for the oil and gas proceed, uh, producers. But, um, you know, with more states conducting audits, you know, as Kobe touched upon earlier, you know, we as a company's risk management and compliance partners need to encourage them to pay greater attention uh, to that aspect. So it's kind of, it's very time consuming. And, you know, the scope of period could typically span, you know, 15 years or more. Um, and to go through that admin process of the audit, uh, gathering all the documentation, um, you know, we have seen it could take up to 24 to 36 months uh, to complete the audit. Uh, simply due to uh, the extensive record requirements and information that you might have uh, available or not. And so it's just it's just that admin burden um, that kind of plays on and, and keeps people from focusing on what they should be focusing on on their, on their daily uh, jobs and, and takes away from that. Uh, you know, the, the other aspect that Kobe touched upon is the penalties and interest uh, could be 10 to 15 percent. Uh, and it's measured from the time the property was first reportable. And so depending upon your acquisition, depending upon how far back that goes, um, there's always that risk and potential. And so, you know, we've, we've emphasized enough on the proper policies and procedures and keeping the right uh, records, you know, in terms of retention and documentation. But, you know, when companies have discarded unclaimed property records, you know, state auditors use estimation techniques to determine the liability. To prevent this from happening, companies, you know, should rec- uh, adopt record retention policies compatible uh, with those laws. Uh, you know, in, in terms of, you know, situations which make a company an audit target, you know, want to touch upon that for the benefit of our audience here. 
is you know the most common things uh, themes are lack of reporting history uh, inconsistent reporting history fluctuations in the amounts or types of properties being reported or you know not reporting property types common to an industry and so we just want to make sure um, the reporting is consistent with how how it is um, done across the board and you know we touched upon this a little bit earlier but i want to add and emphasize that you know the benefit of using someone like opportune outsourcing is is we deal with clients in pretty much all the states where you have oil and gas and so we are used to or we are familiar with the policies and procedures and different requirements laws and regulations and so just easier kind of a one stop shop to take care of all of your achievement needs because we are aware of the requirements and have dealt with them rather than you know putting the admin burden on the clients to go and figure it out and uh, learn about that we're not insinuating in any way shape or form that it's nefarious or malicious that these um, compliance policies and procedures aren't in place. I, that, that's absolutely not it at all. I think it's more, um, most companies don't know about it. Most companies don't necessarily think about it. I think the market right now is uniquely positioned to think about it a little bit more, especially as we're coming out of a whole bunch of Chapter 11 sales, a whole bunch of bankruptcy sales that we're going to see people get involved in the industry that hadn't previously or hadn't had any reason to. And it can be incredibly overwhelming. But then that's why you've got, you know, a group like uh, outsourcing or opportune outsourcing to be able to help out with that. Well, Kobe, you did a good job of teeing me up for this next question, but I want to intersect opportune a little bit more into the conversation now and try to better understand why someone would want or need to get a third party like Opportune involved in the royalty escheatment process in the oil and gas industry. So I know that Opportune has a top three reasons why outsourcing is critical for oil and gas escheatment. So the main three that you include are one, streamlined analysis, two, holistic reporting, and three, a roll forward of suspense ledgers. So I want to break down each of those and understand how they're made possible by bringing a third party in to help with achievement. So let's start with streamlined analysis. Can you give us some thoughts there on how bringing on a third party helps make your analysis more streamlined? Sure. Uh, well, let's. I, I want to go back a step very quickly for bringing in a third party to help, especially for um, operators with land departments. It's, it's already within the framework that we are going to use third parties, right? That if you are kicking off a drill program and you need to go lease out in Martin or Howard counties, Texas, that you are sending brokers out into the field, right? That you have your boots on the ground that are doing a lot of the heavy lifting for you, in part because you need your landman in the office working with you know, drilling with ops, with completion, with reservoir, with geo, like you need them focused on kind of that admin stuff to help get your drill plan up and going and moving. Um, and so it makes more sense for your time and value to send that out to a broker. So then by that extension, it, it's very much in the same vein that you would want to use um, a third party to help out with all of this stuff. And I think you've done a great job of hitting the, uh, the highlights of what we're looking for. And with the streamlined analysis, again, I think we've talked about these different compliance, these different requirements in each state. Next up, I wanna get thoughts on holistic reporting. I feel like this ties in neatly with 
having a more streamlined analysis process. But when it comes time to reporting for its treatment, how does having a third party make that process more straightforward uh, and uh, easier and more efficient for the client? Give us your thoughts. I think it's more that we have the experience and know-how to know what these specific states are looking for, right? That by way of example, um, for some states, maybe you don't necessarily need a social security number, but it's really nice to have, right? Uh, so that we've we've done this enough times that we can look at it and say, here's kind of here's where we can jump in and help. This is where we can help you measure the business risk of some of these reports. And then the other thing is that because we've been doing it for a little bit longer, we can say, you know what, historically, this has borne out. And finally, your top three, I guess, number three reason for uh, why outsourcing can be a critical aspect of the achievement process is that you can help roll forward suspense ledgers. Can you break down the technicality of that process and why having a third party helps you roll forward those ledgers and make them a uh, more maneuverable asset. So what we talk about with uh, roll forward suspense ledgers is more, again, what we've come back to multiple times. It's that when you get the big, big acquisition or any acquisition for that matter, you need to integrate it into your system and move forward as quickly as possible, right? So I, I think that's more what we're talking about. It's I've, I've got it. I've got to integrate it into what I've got and and move forward. And I, I think sometimes if we're not clear or precise with that, it has a tendency to get a little bit messier over time, right? Because one of the things that um, operators want to be able to do is they want to be able to provide, you know, confidence, transparency, and clarity into the financial forecasting for the company, right? Uh, or I'm saying that because I can't even balance my checkbook. So that sounds about right in the grand scheme of things. But the cleaner those records are, just the better it is in general. Um, we're not necessarily getting into the scope of how we like to clean up everything, how we want it to be neat and tidy. And we know that's not really going to be the case. But if we can utilize, um, and if operators can utilize a third party to help out with that, then it just provides a little bit more confidence with that. And finally, I want to take all these insights and turn them into some grounded anecdotes. Can you pull from experience working with any of your clients to break down what some of the most useful strategies around achievement compliance are today and how you've seen those turn into some proven results for various oil and gas producers and industry players? So here are some of these strategies you recommend to our clients. It's kind of, you know, control all unclaimed property through separate accounts that are subject to high level of internal review, uh, you know, require that all transactions in and out of the accounts have supervisor review and approval, uh, capture and retain sufficient data on the name, address, and taxpayer identification numbers of the property owners to enable the company to properly report the unclaimed assets to these states. And, you know, most importantly, uh, follow up on outstanding checks and credits after six months, not after two or three years when the trail is cold. And so it's kind of making sure we focus on that because uh, that really helps, you know, again, the policies and procedures really help reduce the um, risk of a state audit or potential of a state audit or state penalties. You know, we also recommend a company take several proactive steps to avoid 
having a state auditors estimate its unclaimed property liability. Keeping in mind, there is no statute for statute of limitations on unclaimed property. Um, each organization should recognize that state unclaimed property laws typically require retention periods longer than usual statute. So with 10 years being an average. Um, and, you know, lastly, uh, the entity should undertake a periodic review to ensure it observes proper procedures um, and has been reporting to each jurisdiction in a timely manner. And I think to kind of jump off of that, that's where it, it's good to have another set of eyes to help figure out your um, compliance governance, your processes and procedures. We talk a lot out here about what could go wrong and that one of the things that we do is help manage the, uh, we help manage and assess the risk in certain decisions. Um, and, and I would think we would both say, again, these are not, these are not uncommon that, you know, big oil is not, is going to go out, get a big honking acquisition, bring it in and then go, oh, I've also got this achievement thing. How come nobody ever has ever else told me about this? It happens incredibly frequently. And where we have had incredible success is, um, again, having the experienced and the knowledgeable land staff who speaks the industry and has a keen ability to translate oil and gas operator lingo into what works for uh, the different states. And I, I would say to a certain extent, you're not reinventing the wheel or alternatively, you don't have to. You can turn to a group like Opportune Outsourcing who already knows all of that, who knows, oh, I need to go out here and make sure that I've got your assignment bill of sale and include it in our reporting and submission package, right? That it's it's that experience that you can take advantage of at the front end instead of spending weeks trying to figure out and potentially racking up additional fees, penalties, and interest. And finally, Opportune offers a lot of solutions and services to support the achievement process, but we haven't dug into any back office capabilities here. Can you break down how Opportune's outsourcing intersects with the back office responsibilities and duties of the achievement process? And how does that help make the entire process more straightforward in your view? Yeah, achievement reporting is only one of the many services that we offer uh, at outsourcing. You know, we uh, provide full back office support to operators, non-operators, first purchasers, uh, mineral interest owners in the areas of production accounting, allocation and reporting, uh, AP and JIP processing, revenue processing, distribution and regulatory filings, uh, land and DEO maintenance, treasury support, you know, cutting their checks, full gap compliant financial reporting, including monthly journal entries. And so, so think of us as a full, full back office support for all accounting and operational support for uh, our oil and gas clients here. And what, what the value add or the value proposition is it's a one stop shop for all needs. So with our other groups, um, as we have a reserve engineering firm, a valuation group, tax group, a complex financial reporting group, a group that calculates ARO and leasing. Uh, it, there's so many, there's so many, um, other services that we collectively offer. So it becomes a one stop shop and, um, Clients who are outsourcing clients can use the, can have the benefit of other services that Opportune has to offer in other departments. 
All right, team. I think that does it for our conversation today. Thank you to both of our guests for breaking down the tricky escheatment process in the oil and gas industry, some tips and tricks to maneuver the various factors that are influencing escheatment today, and how bringing on a third party like Opportune can help make that process more streamlined and more worth the bang for your buck. Again, we've been chatting with Kobe Nathanson, land manager with Opportune, as well as Raza Rizvi, vice president of accounting at Opportune. Kobe and Raza, if folks want to find out more about Opportune's outsourcing work in the escheatment side of the industry, how can they get in touch? How can they learn more? Yeah, absolutely. You can reach us at opportune.com and go to our service offerings and click on outsourcing. And it lists out all the different services and products we offer within the outsourcing uh, umbrella. Fantastic. Kobe, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure today. Absolutely. Same here. Thank you. And Raza, same to you. It's really been a pleasure and looking forward to chatting again soon. Likewise. Thanks so much. And thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of E2B, Energy to Business, an opportune podcast. If you like what you heard and want to listen to previous episodes, make sure that you're heading to our website, opportune.com, again, opportune.com, or subscribing to E2B on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.